Y'all ready this morning? I said, is somebody ready this morning? Good deal. Me too. Me too. You know, 24 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the year 57 A.D., the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that was in Rome, Italy. And in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, Paul wrote this to that church. He said, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they, the unsaved, are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, and listen carefully, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. So Paul wrote that in the year 57 A.D. And then 10 years later, he wrote a little letter to his student and protege named Timothy. And he wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 these words. Timothy, know this, that in the last days, Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, listen carefully, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such people, turn away. Ungrateful people are foolish. Unthankful people are foolish, whether they be a believer or an unbeliever. You see, many people give thanks. But do they give thanks to God? They may be thankful for all the stuff they got. But are they thankful to God. If they're not, that's a huge, huge mistake. I read about one preacher who was asked to pray before a company Christmas banquet. And before he stepped to the microphone, the president came and whispered in his ear saying, make it generic and make it short. I can understand the short part. Nobody likes to listen to a prayer that goes on and on and on and on. But what did he mean, make it generic? Well, I think you know why. 
What he meant was, even though the president didn't say it, what he meant was, don't pray in Jesus' name. Just pray and say amen. Of course, the preacher remembered what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, where the Lord said, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, him I will deny. So what kind of prayer do you think he prayed? It was short. But he asked all those things in, the, in Jesus' name. Now the next year, the president asked somebody else, amen. <laughs> and that prayer that that other person prayed wasn't even really a prayer. That fella prayed about or spoke about things like good health. He spoke about things like uh, good food. He spoke about things like prosperity. And then he said, for these things, let us be thankful. He never even mentioned who to be thankful to. He never said anything about God. He never even spoke his name. Friends, there are many people in our world who have a lot of good stuff. They have a lot of good things going on in their lives, and they may be grateful people, just not to God. They recognize that they're blessed but they ignore the source of their blessings. The Bible says in James chapter 1 very clearly, James said, don't you be deceived. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers, for every, somebody say every, every good and perfect gift comes from above, given from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. In other words, if it's good in your life, it came from God. I want you to think for a moment about all the good things in your life. I want you to think about your husband. I want you to think about your wife. I want you to think about your kids. I know some of your kids. I want you to think about the good food we're going to enjoy here in about two hours. That's my saying. Whoop! I want you to think about your home. I want you to think about your, your church. I want you to think about your God and his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God that resides in the believer to enable you to do the work of God while you're still alive on earth. I want you to think of the Bible and all the countless promises for you in it. But most of all today, I want you to think about the ultimate promise of eternal life that's offered to you through Jesus Christ. 
I'd say that God deserves our thanks many times over and many times a day, wouldn't you? But today, in addition to all those things that I mentioned, I want to ask you, for what should we be thankful to God? For what? The go-to is everything. But I want to offer this to you, one word. What should you be thankful to God? For victory. For victory. The first of which is, be thankful to God for victory over sin in your life. What is the big deal about sin? I mean, what is so bad about it? What's so bad about sin, y'all? I read about a writer who was skeptical of Christianity, and he decided that he was going to go to a church revival just purely out of curiosity. And so he goes to the revival, and at the decision time, at the conclusion of the service, one of the members approached him and said, Are you saved, sir? And he said, No. And he said, Well, wouldn't you want God to forgive you of your sins? And that writer said, well, no, I like my sins. Well, well, is right. See, he's like a whole lot of people in this world. He's like many people in the world today, including some Christians. Many people like their sins. They like their sins, and they're not going to come to Christ for salvation. They're not going to start following Jesus like they know he wants them to because that means they got to give up doing what they like doing. That means they got to give up doing what they like doing, the sins that they like doing. And can I tell you that that has been a phenomenon throughout the course of human history? Except for one time specifically, where the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, by faith, a man named Moses. Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose instead to be mistreated along with the people of God. And he desired to do so rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. That phrase jumped out, out of the book at me. The pleasures of sin. How many of you know that many people find sin Quite pleasurable. Quite pleasurable. And as a result of that, they are unwilling to give up their sin to follow Jesus. They think, if I got to give up my sin to be a Christian, then maybe I'll just choose the habit over heaven. Maybe they'll choose the habit 
over heaven. Whether that sin involves pride or idolatry or sexual sins of all sorts, alcohol or substance abuse, selfishness, gluttony, hatred, if they find pleasure in it, barring a mighty move of God, they're not giving it up to follow the likes of Jesus. Sin, friend, can be quite pleasurable. So what's the big deal about people liking their sin? Let me tell you what the big deal is. Romans 6.23 is the big deal. The wages of sin is death. The consequences for sin is death. Maybe not immediate physical death, but ultimate spiritual death. And that's a problem. That's the big deal with sin. John wrote in Revelation chapter 21, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice sorcery and the magical arts, idolaters and all liars, they're going to have their place. But the place is going to be in a lake burning with fire and brimstone, which the Bible calls the second death. Sin leads to this second death. So it's a big deal. Somebody say amen. It's a big deal. And when I hear about this second death, this eternal separation from God and this lake of fire, that does not sound very pleasurable to me. People can try to justify their sins all they want. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Scripture still speaks and Scripture still stands. And if you can't trust anything else in the world, you can trust the unchanging Word of God. It is what it is, and it don't change. Now, I'm not real thrilled about somebody going and spending their eternity in that lake. But I don't make the rules. God makes the rules. And if God says there's a second death, if God says there's a lake that burns with fire and brimstone, all I can do is trust him. And know that this word doesn't ever change. And sin is what leads people there. Sin, the pleasure, the momentary Pleasure of sin is what leads people there. But listen to me, y'all. It does not have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. In Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul said, What a wretched man I am. The super saint. Paul, the apostle, said, What a sinful man I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body of sin? You, know you want to know what he said? He said, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how I'm going to be rescued from this body of sin. Thanks be to God that you and I don't have to live in sin like the rest of the world does. We don't have to. 
When we believe in the Lord Jesus, when we daily give our lives to the Lord Jesus, yes, we may struggle with sin on a daily basis, but ultimately we are going to have victory over sin. Victory. But you know, we can also be thankful to God for victory over death. Of course, we won't see that victory until after we move from this life to the next. And that's really what death is, just a mere move from one world to the next. But just listen to Paul's testimony about his victory. And I can almost hear just a hint of sarcasm in his words. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 55, he says, <laughs> Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. The victory over death. Jesus gives that victory over death. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Friend, you need to know the victory that you can enjoy through Jesus Christ over death. I want you to know that on the authority of Scripture, that if you believe in God and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, if you believe that this is the inerrant Word of God, that you have all you need. You have all you need to claim God's promise of eternal life and victory over it's all about him. God says in his word that through Jesus, we can have victory over death. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish in that second death, that lake of fire, but have everlasting life. Paul testified to the Roman believers that God had demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Yes, the wages of sin is death, ultimate death, second death, spiritual death. But the rest of that verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's victory, victory over death. Thanks be to God for his promise of eternal life way beyond the grave. Thanks be to God. Friends, we can and we should be thankful to God for victory over sin and victory over death. But you know there's more. We should also be thankful to God for victory over life. What? Victory over life? What's that supposed to mean? Well, you know, victory over life's trouble. Victory over life's hardships. Victory over life's tragedies. Victory over life's trials. You know, there was a man in the Bible who was all too familiar with all of those things. His name was Job. He knew a great deal about all of life's troubles and hardships and tragedies. 
And after a particular chain of tragedies, Job said, man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now, I've heard some people say, well, there's always someone worse off than you. But when I'm going through my tragedy, I don't want to hear that. Amen. I heard him say, well, I don't see how you can be worse off than me. Well, just consider that retired school teacher. She's about 65 years old. Hadn't been retired long. She got three grown sons, but not anymore. Seems just a few days after she retired, her 42-year-old son shot and killed himself. That's how, life, that's how hard life can get. That's how difficult life can get. Life can be tough. Life can be very tough. But listen, friends, we have something going for us. This victory that I've been talking about this morning. We have this victory going for us. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Who always leads us in victory in Christ. But he don't stop there. Because then he says, and uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. What does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, God leads us in victory over sin, death, and life's problems. But then he uses us to help others experience victory. That's the meaning of your life. You've already received the victory, friend, if you're a Christian. Your job, your high calling, whether you're living one more day or ten more years, your calling now is to help others to experience that victory. You see, friend, when we're seeking to please God, when we're seeking to honor God through the lives we're living, we will always, somebody say always, Always be led in victory, whether you're going through good times or bad times. He always leads you to victory. I mean, just look at what the Lord did for Job. Y'all, Job lost everything. Job lost his wealth, all of it. His health, all of it. He lost his respect. He lost 10 of his children all in one fell swoop. And still, Job chapter 1, Job tells us that he got up and he tore his robe. He shaved his head in mourning. And then he fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Now, i got to be honest with you here today. To me, it would be pretty easy to charge God with wrong. If 
I lost everything. But Job didn't. Job didn't instead, listen to what he did. Job blessed God. Job praised God. And Job thanked God. And then the rest of the story occurs in Job chapter 42. Where the scriptures say that after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his losses. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life much more than he did the first. That sounds very much like God led Job in victory. Job took all that life could throw at him and he still proclaimed his victory in God. His victory over sin, his victory over death, and his victory over life's problems. And can I tell you that God will do the same for us? He'll do the same for us when we seek him with our whole being like Job did. When we seek to honor him like Job did in every area of our lives. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for victory over sin. Victory over death and victory over the problems we have in life. But you know, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper for all believers, the Bible says that when his hour had come, Jesus sat down with the 12 apostles and he said to them, it is with fervent desire that I have desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And said, take this. Divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread. And he gave thanks. And he broke the bread and he gave it to the apostles saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Now, y'all, the, the question just begs to be asked. For what was Jesus thanking the Father for? Was Jesus thanking the Father that he was enjoying his last meal with his apostles? Was Jesus thanking his Father for Judas, who was seated right at the other end of the table? Judas, who would betray him to the enemy? Was Jesus thanking the Father that the 12 friends he had seated around that table would 
ultimately abandon him? Was Jesus thanking the Father that one of the closest three, Peter, would deny even knowing him not once, but three times? Was Jesus thanking the Father for the shouts of crucify him that would come from the people he was there to save? Was Jesus thanking the Father for the suffering that was to come? Was Jesus thanking the Father for his body that he was preparing to get beaten and brutally bloodied beyond recognition? Was Jesus thanking the Father that here shortly he would eventually almost bleed out. Friends, if you would, there's been some Lord's Supper elements placed in front of you. And if you would, I want you to turn it over. This is a little bit different from the ones we've had before. But if you would, turn it over, and if you'll open it on the bottom, you'll find that there's a little piece of unleavened bread. When you get that open and you have that, would you just hold it up so that I can see that you're with me? Everybody together? Excellent. Listen to what Jesus said. The Bible says that he took bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we just pray, pray and, and ask his blessing on this bread as we remember Jesus and the body that he gave? Lord God, we praise you and we thank you that you saw our greatest need. We needed to be rescued from the penalty of sin. And your only begotten son, Jesus, took the brutality of that penalty upon his body. Today, Lord, we remember that sacrifice. And like Jesus did, we give you thanks in his name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's partake together. Now, if you would, carefully, open the other end, the juice in. Just hold it up so I can see that you're kind of get stuck sometimes. Everybody with me? Got it? Everybody with me? Good. In verse 20, the Bible says, Likewise, Jesus also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Let's thank him for it. Lord God, we praise you and we thank you for something so awful, but something so required. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there cannot be forgiveness of sin. And every one of us in this room have a desperate need to have our sins forgiven. 
Lord, thank you for shedding your blood so that we might enjoy an eternity with you in heaven. Lord, we too give thanks in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Now, in both of those verses, Jesus told us the very reason why he was thanking the Father for what was to come. He said, this is my body which is given for you. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So what was Jesus giving thanks to the Father for? The joy of making a way for you to spend eternity in heaven with him. All you have to do is accept the gift. That's all. The gift, it's, the penalty's already been paid. All you have to do is accept the gift. And Paul really summed it up well in 2 Corinthians 9.15. He said, thanks be to God. For this indescribable gift. Thanks be to God. Friend, the very best way that you can give thanks to God this year is to accept his gift. I mean, how awful would it be to be offered a gift from the creator of heaven and earth and for us to turn our backs on that gift and say, no, thank you, Lord. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice at this opportunity. Father, this decision time. And Lord, I ask you to speak to every person in the building, every person listening in. To realize that you have offered humanity a gift. You have offered us the gift of eternal salvation, eternal life in heaven. If we will just accept the gift. I think so many people try to make it so difficult, so complex. When in all reality there is the simplicity of the gospel. I didn't say it was easy. But I did say it was simple. Father, if there's one person in this building who needs to accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ today, I pray that you would give them the courage and the faith to take one step out, a couple of steps forward, and allow me to show them what the Word of God says about how they can be eternally saved from the penalty of sin, that ugly, horrible second death, and claim their promise of eternal life in heaven with you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we pray this in his name.